1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Good morning, everybody, once again. That was the scripture reading. And I believe this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, is the famous verse of love, right? Thank you. But before I start with today's message, I want to take the opportunity to share about the youth camp that we had in August. And I've made a mini slide with some photos. And that I want to show you guys the photo. Here we see the Wi-Fi camp with the team Love and Friendship. So for the one that don't know, every Friday we have youth meeting here at church from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. for the age group of 12 to 18. And everybody's welcome, so if you know anybody between that age, they're welcome to come every Friday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. So, about the camp, before the camp we've been talking about love. We've been talking about the love types and at the camp, that's why we chose this theme, love and friendship, with the goal to let the youth experience real love, real friendship, and also real fellowship. And one great way of doing that is, for example, by doing a barbecue. <laughs> so we had Friday, we had some, you, you can keep clicking, uh, some photos. You see here is, was the first night. We had a barbecue night. And it was amazing. I want to thank Cassandra. I don't know if she's here, but she did a wonderful job with the barbecue, with the seasoning. And Yanto also, Ari, and everybody who helped. My mother also, she helped with the macaroni and all of that. It was an amazing time. I see there my father also helping with the light. So it's amazing. So we had a barbecue night and we had a great time together. So you get to know each other, you get to talk to each other. And in another setting, that's church, for example, here, on Fridays, we have Bible lessons, sometimes we have games, our activity, worship, etc. So maybe I'll explain the name real quick. You saw Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi stands for Worship, Influence, Faith, and Integrity. 
And it's also Wi-Fi. You know, nowadays everybody's using Wi-Fi. So as in 24-7 connected to God. So that is the name of the youth group. <laughs> so here you can see also we, the Saturday we went to the beach. Another great way to expand friendship and also have great fellowship together. We went to Donkey Beach and we had a great breakfast prepared by Jonas and Salome. And it was amazing. We had the chance to get to know the youth and also talk one-on-one, -on -one, but also know each other in a different setting. And it was an amazing day. We had some games, we had drinks, see there, we were playing with the ball. And later that day, we also had uh, wood picking, so for the craft. So we had craft on, on the camp with the theme, love and friendship. And then we had also on Saturday, we had a drum band. I believe in a moment you will see a picture of that, that we had a drum band, and thank you, Malcolm, for arranging that. It was amazing. I believe for every of the youth, it was the first time for them that they tried a drum. So in the beginning, it was funny. So you will hear a <laughs> this synchronization of everybody just hitting the drum. But then later on, about an hour later, you will hear, oh, wow, you know, they get the rhythm. See here, there's Cassandra so happy about it too. <laughs> so it was a, a real great day, and then later on we had the craft, we had the drum band, and also they had to prepare their own dinner. Because, you know, you can prepare dinner for them, but in this case the youth, we let them do most of the things themselves. And I want to thank Yanto also to guide that. They are part of the dinner. The boys did a great job in the kitchen. They made a pasta and we all enjoyed it. And then later that night, we also had a worship slash game slash quiz moment. And the quiz was basically based on what we've been talking about, about love, but also questions about the Bible verses that we've been memorizing. And then there, was, there were two quizzes. So the first one was about love and what, we, what we've been talking about in the verses. And the second one was basically about general knowledge. So what do we know about the country, etc. So you can see my brother there also, and we had the glow-in-the-dark thing, you know, it was a fun time. And that's, there you see the quiz, so Cassandra is asking the question, and we had two groups, and then the, the one, you, you stand next to each other, and the one who knows the answer first will tap, or will pick the, the glow-in-the-dark stick, because we put a glow-in-the-dark stick in the middle, and the one who's faster gets to answer first. But if you don't know the answer, you have to give the other chance, and so it goes. So I have to say everybody was a winner because we had one that won, one group that won the first quiz and the other one won the other. So everybody got prizes. So that was amazing. <laughs> and I want to thank also right away Alan to let us use Rayla Munchi. Thank you very much. And also for the Chicharron. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, so basically that was, that was the Saturday and we also had a movie that's called Overcomer. I believe, if, if you don't know it, I recommend this movie. It's an amazing movie. It's called Overcomer. And the Sunday was the last day, so we had to clean up, and then, yeah, most, that's the most sad day, because, you know, you had so much fun, and you got to go. So, see here, the group picture, and we had that T-shirt, and also, it was an amazing time. So, I would like to take this opportunity also to thank everybody, because... I don't want to forget anyone, but it was an amazing time, so I wrote a list. 
And if I forget anybody, please forgive me, but I will thank you. So I want to first thank God for giving us the opportunity to share with the youth and also get the opportunity to have this camp because without him, we have nothing. And I want to thank Alan again for Roy Lamunchi and Cassandra for everything she's helped with, with the barbecue all around and also great pancake on Monday. And Tessa for helping where she could and the paint for the craft. I want to thank Mingalito for helping with everything where he could. Kirsten for helping with games and quiz and anything else. Frankie also for the amazing lunch. He's a great cook. And he told me also that next year for the kids camp, <laughs> he's going to do some cooking. So I believe that's going to be amazing. So Jonas and Salome also for the great breakfast. I want to thank Yanto for helping with barbecue and guiding the dinner on Saturday. Malcolm also for the drum band. And Greta for the drinks and also other stuff she helped with. You know, I, I have to tell this part. Because in my expectation, she, was, she told me she was going to help with some drinks. So I expected some drinks. But when I saw the box that came from Greta, I was like, whoa. So everything we forgot, she took care of it. <laughs> so thank you very much, you know. And I want to thank my mother also for helping with anything, and also my father who helped and rescued many things behind the curtain. Thank you. And my brother Aaron for helping with music, Daniel also for helping with music, and also Douglas for tips and support. And I want to thank the church for contributing also, and everybody who supported in any way and also was praying for us. So thank you very much. So that was the camp. And I want to also make use of this opportunity to share what we've been talking about before the camp, so about love. And I decided, I asked Doug if I can give a sermon or a message on Sunday to share what we've been talking about. So he said, yes, go ahead. So I was like, okay, awesome, I'll do it. So if you, as you can see in your bulletin, you will have a note, sermon notes, I believe it's the third page. You will see there, there's a question. And the question is, is love a choice? I want you to think about it. Is love a choice? But before we answer that question, we have to answer another question. What is love? What is the definition of love? I want you to think about it for a second. Imagine what your answer would be. So what is love? Think about it. And then later we will compare notes. But then if I ask, what is love? I have to ask, which love are we talking about? And now you might think, hmm, some people might know already where I'm going with this, which love type. And if you don't know, you might think, hmm, what a, we have only one word, right? It's just love. So, for example, I asked the youth on Friday, I asked them this question, what is love? And I got various answers. I got different kind of answers. For example, I got, I love chocolate right for example or some people say okay love is when you care for your dog or love is when you care for a friend or love is for example relationship between boyfriend and girlfriend or husband and wife 
and other people said different stuff. So you see, I got different answers about love, but I can't compare like the love for chocolate. Is that the same of loving a friend? Is the love for, in my case, my favorite food is hamburger. So I love hamburger. So if you like to treat me one day or surprise me, bring me hamburger. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. So I have a girlfriend too, so I love her. And I love hamburgers. I love my parents and my brothers, but I also love all of you. Now, those can't be possibly the same emotion, right? I can't put them next to each other, but we use the same word for it, love. How can that be? Well, it only makes sense if there are multiple definitions of the word love. In English, we only have one word, but in Greek, the language of the New Testament, there are actually four different words that are all translated as love. As I mentioned before, hamburgers. This is a great example of the first love type, eros, right? Hamburger is something that I want, is something that I desire, but then it will go away. When I eat it, I don't want another burger per se. It's like if I eat like a Big Mama from, from between two bonds, right? I'm done for the day, pretty much. So this is the kind of love we can categorize it at Eros. But Eros, if you heard before also, we can compare it to the romantic love between a man and a woman. The, the desire, you know, between husband and wife, but also boyfriend and girlfriend, and etc. So, but Eros is the Greek word, but let's see the definition first. So, what I want to point out today is that Eros love is a love that can fade, and also it cannot be chosen. For example, you can choose, can you choose to fall in love, or you just fall in love, right? You fall in love. That's why we say fall in love. You don't, I decide to walk in this door so I can fall in love. No, it doesn't make sense. So you fall in love, it means you can't control it. It's, you don't choose to fall in love errorsly. For example, the hamburger, I don't choose to fall in love with it. The first time I tasted it, I was like, oh, this is amazing, right? <laughs> so. In this case, you can think someone is attractive, sure, but that's not the same thing of being in love with them, is it? Romantic or sexual love is a powerful gift from God. But I use the term powerful gift on purpose because errors can also be misused and misapplied. And that is why I want to give an example of how that can be. Because we have to answer the question, is love a choice? Now, in this case, we see that Eros is not a choice, but I want to give the example that this Eros, they portray it in movies and songs like it's a so perfect love, but is it really perfect? Well, I want to go to Judges chapter 16, 4 to 8, to give an example of Samson. So I'm going to open my Bible right here, and we're going to read from Judges, Chapter 16, starting by 4 till 8. Judges chapter 16, right? Yep, there we go. So here it's talking about 
Samson. I'm going to read it. After this, it came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorak, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and see where his great strength lies and how we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength is and how you may bound to afflict you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh cords that have not been dried, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So in this case, for the ones who know the story, we, we know that this, the seven cords won't hold Samson. But for, for this example, you see that Samson, he fell in love with a Philistine. And in this situation, in that time, Philistines, they're not a follower of God. It means they were against each other. So he was just going after his feelings. So he, he looked at a beautiful woman and he fell in love with her. So he, he went after her, not for anything else, but just for the desire, right? Just like the hamburgers, but in the case, yeah, the woman, the Philistines. So, but first, for the ones who don't know, I will explain a little bit of Samson's, who is Samson. He was a Nazarite, which is kind of like a Jewish monk. He was not allowed to cut his hair, drink alcohol, and not to come in contact with corpses or graves, even those of his own family. Nazarites were specifically set apart by God and for God. So this man, he was not just a normal guy. He had extraordinary strength from God, but he had to follow and continue obeying God for him to keep his strength. Because his strength was not his own, but it was of God. So here, I will continue to go to see, this guy fell in love with Delilah, and now I will go to the betrayal of Delilah. Because I said that Eros' love is not perfect and can be misused and misapplied. So here we can see, if we go to verse 15 of the same chapter, we will see, Then he said to him, Delilah said to Samson, how can you say, I love you, see the word here, when your heart is not with me? You have deceived me these three times and have not told me where your great strength is. In this case, Samson told her that, hey, if you do this, you will, that will take away my strength, but those three times it wasn't true. So here we go. You have deceived me three times and have not told me where your great strength is. It came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come to my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, and now I want to point out hard. See, he's not thinking with his mind. He's thinking with his heart. And remember, the Bible tells us that our heart is deceitful. So she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all that is in his heart. 
Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and called for the man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out at our times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him because he disobeyed him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains and he was a grinder in the prison. So we see the betrayal right here of Delilah that he, he loved Delilah. But what kind of love was it? It was Eros. He decided with his heart and when she convinced him he was so in love that he just told her the truth of his strength. And in this case, Samson disobeyed God by telling Delilah the secret to his strength, his long hair. Samson knew that he shouldn't fall in love with a Philistine woman because she was not a follower of God. However, even though he couldn't stop that feeling, he could have stopped himself from acting on those feelings. Eventually, the feelings of love for the wrong person would fade away. So you see here the feeling itself. So the error's love itself we cannot control. So we cannot choose to fall in love. But what we can choose is what we do with that feeling. What we, how do we act on that? So that is basically errors. But we are not going to stay there. Because we have to answer the question, is love a choice? And it depends. In this case, we see that errors is not a choice. But we say love. So there must be other types. So I would like to, to mention another type here is philia or phileo. That's the love type. You will see it also written in the note. Now the question is, is philia love perfect? Does philia love fade just like eros can? Well, let's take a look. But first, let's take a look at a definition. Philia is loosely translated as brotherly love. Or, as we prefer today, the love between friends. Now, filial love is not something that can be chosen. You can choose to be kind, you can choose to be friendly, but you can't choose friendship. It just happens. The problem with that is filial love can also be confusing. Filial love can be corrupted and turned into something evil. Let me give an example. For example, when you go to school, or in my case, or work, do you choose to be someone's friend with affiliate or you just meet someone and it's like, oh wow, we have common ground, this is amazing, cool, and you start talking and you just click, right? You, you have that click. You don't have that with everybody. You don't have the click with everybody. So if I go like, for example, in a place that nobody has any common ground, for, in me, for example, I love hamburgers, I'm a musician, I love adventure. What if, if I go to a place that nobody loves hamburgers, they hate hamburgers, and <laughs> they're not musicians, not per se, but they hate music, and they don't like adventure at all. Is it going to be easy for me to be a friend? Even though if I try to be, it's not going to happen. Because again, friendship, in this case philia, we have to maintain. So, for example, we, we all have childhood friends, right? 
when you were in school, you're like, oh yeah, my buddy. And then after 10 years, maybe you went to another country and you didn't see each other again. Maybe you still talk, you're good acquaintances, but you're not good friends, right? Because friends is different. So again, it comes to that we cannot choose friendship, in this case, philia. But I would like to give an example of the Bible of philia, and we, I want to go to 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is the example of David and Jonathan. Some of you already heard of it. 1 Samuel chapter 18. And in this case, we will see, I will read from 1 till, let me see, till 9. Now it came about that he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was of him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set him over the man of war. And so it continues, but here we see in the first part already that, that Jonathan was found of David and they became friends. But here you see, it just happened. It doesn't say that Jon Jonathan chose. Like Saul chose to keep uh, David, but Jonathan didn't. He was just, wow, hey, we're friends. And because they were friends, Saul decided to, hey, I'm gonna keep your friends right here. So here we can see filial love expressed in its most pure form. The relationship between David and Jonathan is friendship. Yes. But it was such a strong friendship that only way to accurately describe it is to use the word love. Because you have different types of friendship too. You have people, you, you will call it friendship, right? That's another question that I asked the, the youth, like what is friendship? And I heard different kinds of questions. Like people that bring you food. <laughs> well, you can make friends with people that bring you food, right? Free food, right? But does that make them your real friend? Eh, not per se. Not all the time. But sometimes it can grow into a friendship. But again, you don't have control of that. You don't choose that type of love. So we have eros. We have filial love. Two types of love that we can't really control. But there's a third, and that is the storge. Or I don't know if, you, if I pronounce it right, storge or storge. <laughs> yeah, storge. So, storge love type, I want to go to the definition right away. So, storge is best described as the love for a family member. One comparison would be the love brothers and sisters have for each other. Uh, but perhaps a better illustration would be the love between a parent and a child, right? This Storky love, I will go and ask the same question. Is this love perfect? Can this love fade away? Well, in this case, it can. And not only in this case. Sometimes you see 
well, I don't know, everybody watch television here, everybody watch Netflix, and there's different shows that you have the cases and the, the judge have to decide what's going to happen with the child, you know, divorces and all of that. And, and then the child, he, he's just in the middle of that, right? And sometimes, in this case, he feels like he's not loved, or he gets in the mix of the, the whole trouble, and that it becomes so extreme that the love can fade. Like, the, the, the trouble became so strong that separated the parents, but that it also can separate the parent and the child. And that is strong, because the love of a parent and a child, I'm not a parent yet, but I have parents, and I've seen a lot of parents, and when they talk about their child, it's like another world. Like, my friend Rick, he just became father, <laughs> and my question is going to be, did he choose to love that child, or he's, he's, he's the father. I mean, he was there when the child, you know, you see a little baby, it's yours. What is there left to just love that child? So you just love it, love the child, love him. And, but the question remains, right? Can Storka be corrupted? Like, for example, I have brothers, and we used to fight a lot when we were younger. And it was a fun fight sometimes, but sometimes it got out of hand. <laughs> and when we fight with each other, at that day, we don't look at each other. We just fought, we're angry. But the next day, I'm like, hey, what's up, man? You're my brother. So I can't control that. I, he's my brother. I was born in the family, and I just love them. And vice versa, I hope. <laughs> yeah. But... To answer the question again, story can be corrupted, yes it can. So like I said, the parent loving their child so much that also he or she becomes more important than anything else that parents life, including God. And there it becomes something that is not good. You can love your child, but if you love your child more than God, it becomes corrupted. Their love for the child becomes an idol. Now, what does the Bible say about it? In this case, Bible doesn't specifically mention Storky love, but it does, however, describe the complete lack of Storky love twice. So I would like to go to Romans 1, verse 29. Romans 1, verse 29. So here it's talking about, uh, I will start from 28. And just they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, or merciful. It, well, in this case, the word used for, in this case, in this one, in another translation, instead of using disobeying, disobedient to parents, or they will use, in this case, no love. It's like, you have no love. And in this case, the no love here, the Greek word is astorges which can also be translated as what you see here, heartless. 
Like I said before, heart is deceitful, but in this case, heartless, it, it means you have no feeling at all. Hate, right? They have such a lack of love that they cannot even love their own family. That, that is a lack of love. That's crazy lack of love, that you can't love your, love your family. But I would like to use another example in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5. I'll read it. But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedience to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasures, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Now we see in here again, unloving, Again, we see the unloving is without love. So this word, just like in Roman, is, it uses the same word, without love, meaning hateful, heartless. So now we have eros, we have philia, we have storge. And again, to the question, is love a choice? Eros is not a choice. Philia is not a choice. Storge is not a choice per se. Well. But then, why does the Bible make such a big deal about love if it's essentially uncontrollable? Because there's a fourth, and that is the agape. And I believe we've been talking about that for weeks, and last week we talked about the agape love also, when Douglas explained the upward spiral, right? So, that Jesus was saying that if you love me, I will love you, and if you love me, I will send the Spirit, and if you love me, the Father will love you. But the only way we can love is because He loved us first. So this is the agape love. And, and so it goes, goes on like the spiral. But I, will, I would like to, to go to the definition of agape here. Agape is the most powerful type of love, and simultaneously the hardest to do correctly. Agape love is, to put it simply, completely selflessness. The love that God has for us. This is the type of love that we are called to emulate because it is the only type of love that we choose to do. All other forms of love can fade, right? Eros can fade, Philia can fade, Storica can fade, but Agape does not fade. Even the love of your family, like I said here, Storica can end, but Agape love is eternal. Agape love never fades. But now, I'm saying this, but how do I know this? Well, we had a scripture reading from 1 Corinthians 13, and I would like to read it one more time. It's the famous love chapter that, that talks about, it describes the biblical love perfectly. So, I believe I have it right here, and I don't have to look it up. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable 
or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And the literal word used here in Greek is agape, not errors, not failure or story. It's agape, which is the eternal love, the unending love, the love that never fail, fails or fades. So this love is very, very powerful. And this is the same love that God showed us through His Son when He sent His Son to die for us in our place so that we can be saved. That is agape. He chose to do that. It's not something that He saw as like, oh, wow, these people are pretty, so let me see if I can save them. It was not such a love like Eros or, or just Philia or Storche, but it's something much bigger. And we can also see this word used also in the context of marriage. So you have an husband, you have a wife, husband and wife. The husband shall love his wife. The word used here, and I would like to go to that first right away, is Ephesians 5, 25. Um, yes, right here. Ephesians 5, 25. And see here, the husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. See here, there, he... In this verse, he's comparing the relationship between a husband and a wife with Christ and the church. And what love does Christ have for the church? Is the, is, you can answer. <laughs> it's the agape love, yes. And husbands should love their wives with the agape love. But again, like Douglas said last week, how do we do that? How do we reflect the agape love? It's when we receive it from God. So God loves us, and then we get to participate in that. So again, if I, if I go back to the question, is love a choice? I would say it depends what type you're talking about. But then I would say, yes, agape love is a choice. You decide to love. And this love is so powerful that this is the love that keeps relationships, marriages, families together church together. is the agape love that we decide to love each other and not just wake up with a feeling, I, I want to love this person, yes or no. You decide, you, you, you take a commitment to love. And that it is much bigger than just 
the other types of love. And it, it, it is the literally most important thing we can do as a believer, and it, at the same time the most powerful thing we can do. Because agape love is chosen, it's always pure. You can't corrupt agape love. As soon as you try, it's no longer agape. It becomes one of the other types. So here, of the four love types, only one can be chosen. You will see in your note, agape. God did this intentionally because agape is the most powerful and echoes the love he has for us. Just like the upward spiral, the spin-off, that's the echo, right? So we receive it from him, we love him, and it keeps growing, and it never fades. But I got to say, agape love is not easy. See, it required Christ to die for us. So it's not something, oh, I'm okay, check. It's not something like that, but Christ died for us. So instead of us dying, he did that so that we can be saved. So it's not easy. In fact, it will be one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But agape love is exactly what Jesus was describing also in the two greatest commandments. In Matthew 22, 36, 40, where it says, Love God, right? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And also, then the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. That is where it echoes. So the agape, you choose. So God chose to love us so that we can choose to love him and that we can choose to love each other. And also, we see agape in the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is our mission, and also it's part of the mission of Wi-Fi. I remember I was talking to Malcolm about it too, with the vision, the mission, and this verse is part of it, which we have to go and make disciples to our nation, all nations, and make them, teach them to believe, teach them everything that God, that Jesus taught us. And we know that Jesus is always with us. In this case, in this Matthew 28, 18, the, the, this, the great commission, and why is it agape love? Because do you go to evangelize to someone with the errors? Do you have the courage to evangelize just with philia? Or with Storge? Well, I remember in Curacao, when I was part of crew, Campus for Christ, we used to do these activities. We just go in, in the downtown and we just choose somebody to give the gospel to. That's not easy. It might sound like it is, but you have to choose like, okay, I'm going to this person. It's not something that just happens. And in this case, we have to decide to love everybody, to love each other. And it's that love that we have to, we love each other, and I love you so much that I want you to get the good news. Just like the soccer game, when, when somebody wins, you, you go and celebrate, is the good news that we have in Jesus. So this love, uh, if I have the good news, I love you so much that I don't want you to miss it, which is Christ, and it's always Christ and it will always be Jesus Christ. Well, that is exactly what I want us to remember, and I want to encourage everyone, all of us, to go through the week, the year, every day, because it is a daily decision. 
whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're at home, you have people around you. And I want to encourage you to love each other, but not with errors, failure, and story only, because they do exist, but with the agape love. And believe me, when you have the agape love, all the rest will come, and they will be much better than just on their own, because you have the complete package of love. Well, I would like to close in prayer. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to also participate in your love. And I want us to remember, Lord, help us remember every day that you are the source of love, that you are the source of agape, and that only you can provide us with real love. I want to ask you also to give us wisdom, give us strength and the courage to go out and preach the gospel, go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ through all the earth. And I want to ask you for guidance and also for we to continue loving you every day. And I want to ask you also to encourage our church that we can love each other daily more and more and choose to love each other with the perfect love that never fades that comes from you. I want to thank you for everything and I want to ask you also for the rest of the day that protect us and that we can continue to worship you and also give you all the glory that you deserve. Thank you everything in the name of Jesus. Amen.